Happy Father's Day, community of faith. How are we doing today? Yeah, I can hear you. Those of you at home, I almost hear you. That's good. You know, it's uh, the first Father's Day since my dad passed. I missed him, miss him a lot, but I am so grateful for my father-in-law, Archie, who is watching right now. Archie, I love you. So proud to have you as my dad. You know, fathers, you're needed more than ever right now. In fact, it's such a, it's such a strange time. Uh, you know, there's so much going on around us. There, there's like all these things coming at us from all different sides. And it, it's almost, you know, so hard to try to figure out what's going on that we, we're having a lot of trouble. And there's a lot of untruths, you know, that are out there too, uh, that we're trying to figure out, is this the truth or that the truth? Everybody uh, has an agenda and there's some, some agendas that we don't want to pick up. There's others that we must pick up, right? And it's so confusing, a confusing time. I think that it's real important to realize that Jesus said the truth will set you free. I feel like that's my job as the pastor to say, hey, let's speak truth together, especially in these difficult times. Truth is important. The truth will set you free. And I might add, but first it might freak you out a little bit, right? Uh, it's, just, it's just true. I, I took Laura to the airport yesterday. Uh, she flew up to be with her mom and dad in, in Colorado uh, for a little while. And it was like a ghost town. I mean, there was, she was the only one in the line at United to check her bag. She was the only one in the security line at all, you know, and uh, she got it. And it's just, she said, everything's closed. And I, I think one of the untruths might be spoken by your own lips. I don't know about you, but I've said from time to time. Now, when things get back to normal, right? When things get back to normal, because that's all we've ever known is normal. Things aren't going to get back to normal that we, as we've known it. We have 44.1 million who have filed for the first time for unemployment in the last 12 weeks. The total U.S. national debt has outstanding has reached 26 trillion, according to the Treasury Department. 26 trillion. It took from the founding of the United States to 1981 for the United States to go in debt the first trillion, and we went another trillion in debt in five weeks recently. It's it, it's amazing, and we're not done yet. As Americans are still saying, "Hey, we want more." Uh, federal handouts. Our passage today speaks to that. I, I love the book of Joshua, and we're going to look at this because Moses is dead, and the only life the Israelites had ever known has ended. It's over, and they're at this place where the future looks impossible. Is this the end of the world? You know, my dad, the day before he died, he, he said, to me, Mark, is this the end of the world? And I was thinking about that yesterday because I was at Academy. And as I stared at the empty shelves, not where the toilet paper is supposed to go, you know, but where all the ammunition used to be, there's just empty shelves. All the handgun ammunition is gone. And this guy's just standing there looking at it. And I'm looking at him and he's just looking at it. He goes, is this the end of the world? 
And I said, I don't know, but if it is, there's still 32 auto. You can get that. But that's, that's it. We're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. I read this on a blog this week. In fact, you might want to put that on the screen. As we move forward, it's, it's going to feel like the world's ending. In some ways, it will be. No, the world isn't literally ending, but a specific kind of world is ending. It'll be extremely difficult for many people to tell the difference as it's happening. This will likely lead to many more episodes of mass insanity as professional manipulators take advantage of millions upon millions of disoriented people. Priority number one should be to stand guard at the gate of your mind during this time so as not to become a victim. You ask, Mark, what is happening right now? What is, what is going on? Well, here's what I would tell you. From my study of the scripture, there are moments in human history, crossroads in time, if you will, moments where time and eternity intersect that are these crucial choice points in life. Our choices in these times will influence the rest of our future on the planet. My choices in those moments will alter my entire life. Are some moments more important than others? Some moments in time, are they more important than others? Of course they are. The direction of world history has been changed and determined many times by the events of a single moment. And as we look at our passage today, it was that way with the people of Israel. In one moment, they moved out of 40 years of failure and reproach into the greatest era of their history. A nation flat on its back found its footing and marched victoriously into a new future. And if you looked at the circumstances that day, it didn't look good. It didn't look good at all. They stood on the banks of the Jordan River. The promised land that God had promised them was on the other side. Now, while it could be, the Jordan River could be crossed at any other point. I've been to the Jordan River, and it's just a, a, a little river. You could swim across it in a few strokes most of the time, but the time that God chose to bring them there was at harvest season, flood season of the Jordan. And during this time, that little Jordan River turns into a raging torrent that's over a mile wide. It's an unusual circumstance. Every single one of those two million Hebrew people standing on Jordan's stormy banks knows that living right now in the promised land are seven nations. Every single one of them is larger than Israel. Every single one of them is stronger than Israel. Every single one of them has an army, a standing army. Israel has no army at all. Joshua knows that the moment that he crosses this impossible cross across the river, if somehow he can do it, it's going to be considered an act of war by all seven of those nations. He's going to spend the rest of his life in battle. To top it all off, they had been here before. 40 years before, they had stood in the same spot, stood at the Jordan ready to cross. And you remember, they, they, they said to Moses, hey, let's send in 12 spies so we can figure out the best way to get in there. And they sent 12 spies in 
they came back and 10 of the 12 said, forget it. Armed cities. There are giants in the land that make us look like grasshoppers. Moses, just a few days before the passage we're going to read today, right before he died, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, listen to what he said. I'll just read it to you. He said, you guys rebelled. I don't got it up there, so don't put it on the screen. But, but you guys rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You refused to go in. You complained in your tents. You said, the Lord must hate us. But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going to go ahead of you. He'll fight for you just as he did in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord cared for you as we went through the wilderness these last couple of weeks. And as a father cares for his child, now he's brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust him. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became angry. He solemnly swore, swore, not one from this wicked generation will live to see the good land. I swore to your ancestors, except Caleb and Joshua, the only two spies that came back and said, we can take it. He says, I'm going to give the land to your little ones, your innocent children. You were afraid they would be captured, but they will be the ones to occupy it. They get upset. They say, well, we've messed up. And they said, maybe we'll try now, but God, we're going to go try now. And Moses said, God says, don't go. I'm going to take you back out in the wilderness. But they tried and they got defeated badly. He said, so you stayed in this place mourning for a long time. So they had been to this place. This has been a place of mourning where they had been disobeyed God. They've been really defeated. And then they went back out 40 years circling the desert until all of that whole generation had died. They had dropped dead in the desert. Eventually, all of them. Moses was the last to die. Only Caleb and Joshua were still alive. The rest were the sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters of those unbelievers. So we pick up in the third chapter of Joshua. They're standing at the end of the world as they had known it. Impossible odds, mind-numbing circumstances. We pick up in the third chapter of Joshua, verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. Moses, their leader, was dead, but God was saying, but I'm not dead. I'm the living God. You're going to be the generation to cross. You're going to cross over by faith. There's a word that's used in these two chapters, three and four. It's used 21 times. This is the word abar. It means to cross over. In fact, that was when they began to be called Hebrews. It's from the word abar, the crossover people, the people who crossed over who believed God enough to move into the promised land. It's interesting because that word's never used to describe like even the crossing of the Red Sea. There were other words used, but it was used 21 times in the book of Joshua. Abar, Abar, Abar. You are the Abar people, the crossover people, the Hebrew people. It goes on. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. 
Now, God says to us in the Bible that he used a lot of these real life stories, but he used them for us believers in the New Testament era, in the church era, as a type for us to see some truths of God. This actually happened, but he also used it so that we could see some things. Crossing the Jordan is equal to aligning ourselves with God's purpose. To say, God, I believe your promise. I believe your purpose. I'm going to get in on it. I want to be a part of it. Your will done on this earth. I want to be in on it. God had already given Israel the land, but it still had to be stepped into and fought for. And the first thing they had to do was to cross the Jordan. I think it's interesting. It says they were following the ark. Is that that giant ship that, Moses, uh, that Noah was in? You know, No, that's not the ark. You've, you've probably maybe seen shows about the Ark of the Covenant, you know. Raiders of the Lost Ark was an old one about that. And, and, and in that little box, God had put some specific things that reminded them of his presence. But then he just empowered that so that <clears throat> you weren't supposed to even touch it. It was holy. And it symbolized God's presence. It symbolized that God was with them. And he said, the ark is going to go out in front. I want you to see that I'm with you. You're not doing this alone. I'm the living God. I haven't left you. I understand that circumstances seem like you're going like, where's God today? But I haven't left. I'm still here. I'm still moving. I'm still doing what I want to do. What I'm going to say right now is maybe the most important thing I've ever said. Every time I say it, it's the most important thing I can say. The Christian life is not an experience or a formula or a certain set of principles or a way of behaving. The Christian life is a person. You realize that, right? That person is Jesus. He's the Christian life. In fact, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. What can you add to complete? You've been made complete. Well, I just wish that I had. No, you're complete. When God gave us Christ, he gave us everything we need for all the fullness of Godhead. All of God, the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit lives in him. And now he, through his spirit, has come to live in you. If you're a believer, if you've asked him to be the Lord of your life. And he's given you everything you need. After we've been in heaven a million years, we're not going to have more of God than we have right now. We're just going to have a different set of circumstances. You see, as a, as a Christian, I'm not following a set of ideals and principles. I'm following the living, reigning Lord of the universe. And that makes all the difference. Think of it like this. Jesus doesn't give us peace. He is our peace. Jesus doesn't give us knowledge. He is our knowledge. If we're hungry, he's the bread of life. If we're thirsty, he's the fountain of living water. If we're lost, he is the way. If we're blind, he says, I'm the light of the world. If we're lonely, he's the friend that sticks closer than any brother. If we're dying, 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the door and what we find on the other side of the door. He's the way and what we find at the end of the way. He's the cause of his own effect and the effect of his own cause. He's the means and he is the end. He is God's everything to the believer. My wife, Laura, has given birth to three children that I know of, mine. And uh, it's so interesting because, you know, I guess the first thing that mothers do all over the world when they hold their babies, they check them out, you know, everything there, right? I mean, mean, you know, all the standard equipment, you know, two feet, 10 toes, two ears, one mouth. At, At birth, God gives children everything that they need they're ever going to need to live physically. But you know what I've noticed? They don't know that they have that. They don't even know how to use that. I mean, they're just lying helpless in their crib. I mean, you celebrate the first time they flip over. You're like, oh, way to go, right? And then when they start crawling, they don't really crawl. They just, they drag, right? You know, at first. And they're just dragging those legs behind them. And then, you know, when it comes time for them to walk, you don't take them back to the doctor, do you? And say, hey, could you screw their legs on now? They already have them. They just don't know how to use them. But then one day they figure out those little things they've been dragging behind them. If you stand on those things, you can move fast. And you can go right where your mom and dad told you not to go. As fast as possible, right? And once that happened with my kids, I mean, no holds barred, they're moving. They, they already had everything that they needed. They just didn't know how to use it. They were learning to use it. That's what growth is, learning to use what, what God has given you already at birth. Likewise, at my spiritual birth, at your spiritual birth, God gave you everything that you need for life and godliness, the Bible says. Jesus, he gave you Jesus. Spiritual growth is discovering what God gave me and learning to walk in it. Like the baby learns to walk. We've got to learn to walk in all the power that God has given us. Once we do that, once we begin to understand that, once we begin to to step into that, life is never the same again. So why are some of us still dragging our feet behind us? Going, oh, the Christian life is such a drag, right? Literally, because you're dragging yourself along and God's going, I've got abundant life for you. That's what I've given you. Sometimes the circumstances will just overwhelm us. God says, I've got a plan for you. Even in the middle of all that, God's presence is going before them in the raging torrent of the Jordan. Verse 14 says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priest who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. Stepping into tomorrow will not be easy. It has a price. I can dream about it. I can talk about it. I can even believe for it, but there's a crucial choice point that I'm calling us to today. When we must decide I'm willing to participate in the miracle to possess God's dream of tomorrow. God's dream. Did you catch me saying God's dream? I didn't say your dream or my dream. Because I kind of like the old normal. 
But God's dream is a different dream. God's doing something right now. You realize when it starts to be like this, that God's moving, right? God's doing. Something's happening. As the children of Israel waited on that, the banks of that mile-wide raging river, they had a, a growing awareness of the human impossibility of what God was asking them to do. They, 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 didn't, they didn't know what to do. Remember, for more than 600 years, they had been trying to imagine what lay beyond that river, God's promised land to them. For 40 years, they had cultivated a deep fear of the giants in the land, of the fortified cities in the land. And God, with all of their fears already, intentionally brings them to the raging Jordan. He could have waited just a couple of months and it would have been back to a little stream again. And they could have, you know, pretty much waded across with a, maybe a few strokes. <clears throat> but it was at this time because the snows from Lebanon up in the mountains melt and come down. It's this raging thing. They knew they were at the end of their resources. They knew it was beyond them. They knew they couldn't do it. But God was going, I did all this on purpose. I know what I'm doing. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. And you're not standing here in these impossible circumstances without a purpose. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you know you can't do it and you depend totally on me, that's when the miracle happens. It's like these mile wide waters were, were taunting them. You're never going to possess the promise. It's like these words shout to us from the ancient scriptures. Just as then God looks for a people who will answer his call to faith, step into his promises for them at a time that is far from favorable. Some more convenient time, God, I would believe you. When things aren't so dire, God, right now I need to kind of like hunker down. I, I need to take care of myself and my family. I, I need to, you know, I, I'm going to watch out for me. It's up to me. I'm watching out for me. But you see, this was their time and this is our time. I'll be honest with you. Maybe there's never been a more tumultuous time on planet Earth. I, I think that's possible when you look across the globe. I can tell you there's never been a harder time to be a committed Christian in America. Would you agree with that? I'll just tell you that is the case. Never been a more opportune time to see God work a miracle. Even when the troubles rise like the mighty Jordan. God still says, now little ones, now my, my children, now is the time, now is your time. Rise and move forward. Your new day has come. I've chosen this difficult moment when you're at your weakest to show that my power in you is the strongest. When your doubt is the strongest, my love for you is stronger still. And it was here at flood stage, God was set to perform a miracle that was every bit as dramatic as had happened a generation before. Remember 40 years before, 
and Moses stood at the Red Sea and he held his rod up and he told them, stand and see the salvation of God. And those waters had parted into giant walls and they crossed through on the dry land. And God's going, I'm ready to do it again. I'm ready to do it again in your generation. That a miracle was required, obvious, right? But one more thing is needed. A people who will step into the promise. A people who will believe for the miracle. And we're too, we, we too are at that point where the, we have to decide if we're willing to move into the miracle, to possess the promises of God. Look what it says as it goes on. As soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarephath. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the river bed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. It's a lot different than the last time. God doesn't ever do the same thing in the same way twice. 40 years ago, Moses had held his rod up and it's his arm and he's saying, behold, just stand and watch God work. This time God says, you move and as you take a step, I'll work. You take that next small step of faith and then I'll work. They said, they put the priests first. Yeah, I can just imagine they're going like, oh, let's put the preachers out first. They're expendable, right? <laughs> I mean, they're not gonna help us fight, that's for sure. So, hey, put them out there. But God had said that, put them out there with the ark so that you can see it out in front. And I can just imagine because what happened is this time, if you look at the map, Adam is 26 miles upriver, 26 miles. They couldn't see that, but God stopped the water like a wall at Adam. I can just imagine the people of Adam walking out to the river and going like, what the, what, you know, what is this? But the people of Israel couldn't see it, but it stopped. But that would take a while, 26 miles of water. So they, the minute they stepped in, it stopped 26 miles up river, but it didn't stop for them yet. Can you imagine those preachers, you know, those priests, they're, they're, okay, they're into their ankles and they got the ark and they're going like, all right, God, here's a good time to part the waters, right? Then they're at their knees and they're still walking. Then they're at their hips and then they're up to their chest. And then slowly the water starts to go down little by little until it just drains all the way out to the Dead Sea. And, and, and here's the point. The first step is always the scariest, right? When Israel crossed the Jordan, it was not the obedient arm of the leader that brought about the miracle, but the obedient feet of the people. Don't say, lead us, Mark, we'll follow. No, you step out in faith with me and we'll see God at work. But we might have to step into the water. Might have to step into the raging circumstances. You see, it's one thing to say when things are good. They've been pretty good most of our lives. A couple of three generations here, we've had it pretty good. And um, it's easy to say, you know, I believe in the great sovereignty of God. I believe that God knows what he's doing. I believe he's got it. I believe it's all culminating toward his plan. It's another thing to live it out in the great tribulation. 
right? It's another thing to live it out when things began to move sideways. It's another thing to live it out when we're going, what is going on? Meanwhile, verse 17, the priests were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant. They stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Two million people of the second generation of those who left Egypt crossed into the promised land. Two million people and only two people of the first generation who didn't believe, Caleb and Joshua. And they're like in their 80s. You know, some of you that are older at Community of Faith, you're going like, well, at least I don't have to live too much longer to see whatever's going on, right? Which makes me not happy when you say that. Um, I just want to say to all of us who are getting up there a little further, it's like this is our time too. This is the, I mean, Caleb was fighting the Amalekites. He, I mean, he, he took a mountain later on. We'll see that. We look at these people and go, what people of faith? You know, what heroes? No, they're just like you. They're, they're scared out of their mind. But here's the thing. About the time they faltered, they would see the Ark of the Covenant. They would see God's presence. God is here. God's out in front. God's in charge. Hear him. Little sons and daughters, trust me, he's saying, remember my promise. Know that the great I am is for you. Faith is having fear, doubt, belief, all mixed together and still taking the next step into the promise. Did you think that faith felt a lot better than that? It doesn't. See, that's the thing. Faith is, is, is all of this all mixed together at the same time, but it's taking the next small step into what God's asking of us. See, a lot of us, we think, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get 100% sure. And I'm going to just kind of sit here and then I'm going to be so full of faith that it's just going to be like, I believe God. I don't, you know, I'm just believing God. Never going to feel that way. It's like courage. You know what courage is? Feel the fear and do it anyway, right? That's courage. Faith is having all this all mixed together and still moving into the promise of God. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? Our faith. But not yet. Not yet. We don't see it all yet. What is God asking of us? Now, I mean, it, it, someone asked me the other day, is, will we see the book of Revelation fulfilled in our lifetime? I don't know. I kind of believe so. I do. Habakkuk, God's old prophet, he saw our time. Let me just read you what God said through Habakkuk. The Lord said to me, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. It will take place. It will not be delayed. The evil nation is very proud of itself. It's not living as it should. I take no pleasure 
and anyone who shrinks back, but the righteous person will live by my faith, God says. Will you take up his faith? See, it's not even your faith. He gave it to you. He gave us everything we need. Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? A good time. No, that's not what he said. In this world, because you're a Christian, you've got a deal with, you've got this great deal. Let's make a deal, God. I'm going to live for you, and you're going to bless me and prosper me and take care of me, and nothing bad's ever going to, that's not what Jesus said. In this world, you will have tribulation, he said. And that's a really strong word, way past trouble. But take my courage, for I have overcome this world. Take my courage, Jesus says. This is your day. Say it. You know, God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I believe that you're sovereign. I mean, if he's winding it all down, what do you think it's going to look like? What do you think it's going to feel like? If he's, if he's getting ready to, to, to bring it all to a culmination, it's got, it, this is exactly what it would look like. Exactly. So if you think, you know what I got to do? I got to hang on to all my material wealth right now. I got to hang on to, to my 401k. Is that what you do? Well, you can try, and I'm okay with you trying, but you might not be able to because if it's the tribulation in this world, you will have tribulation. It's not going to happen that way. You say, well, Mark, this is so encouraging. I'm so glad I came. You know what? The truth sets us free. There, there's a lot of preachers today that, that are using today, and they're going like, don't worry. We're on our way back. God will prosper us. God will take care of us. God's going to cover you. God's going to financially bless you, if, especially if you give, right? Put $100 in the plate and you'll get 1000 back. That's not what he said. He said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. The rest of our lives, you know what I'm thinking? It's not going to be a cakewalk. In fact, I think the rest of our lives that God has planned for you includes two things. The same as Joshua had at this moment. God's got for you blessings and battles. Blessings and battles. And the blessings aren't going to be what you think. And the battles aren't going to be necessarily what you think. Because the way he thinks isn't like the way we think. But are you ready? Are you ready to say, okay, God, I believe. I'm going to put my life where my mouth has been, and I am going to step in to you. No more trivial stuff. No more just kind of flirting around with the world. I'm going to step in with all that I've got. I'm yours. Everything that I am is yours. Right now, I step into your plan. I don't know what it is yet, but as you show it, I'm in. That's what he's calling us to, community of faith. That's what he, he, he wants to do. See, we're going to have blessings and battles. And there's going to be a lot of battles. Why? Because he's teaching us something beyond even just here and now. He's teaching us again how to rule and reign 
with him forever. And we have to learn to overcome. We have to learn through the battles. The battles get us ready. I want to close by just reading you the names from some folks around this story, some Bible names. I want you to see if you recognize any of them. Are you ready? Listen, and you might find some names, ladies, if you're pregnant, that you want to name the little one, you know? Here's the Bible names. Shaphat, ever heard of him? Palti, Gadiel, Amiel. Anybody know those names? How about Sether, Nabi, Geuel, Egal. Anybody know these guys? Gadi, Shamua. Shamua or Shamua. I think he's at SeaWorld. How about Joshua? How about Caleb? You know those guys? That was the name of the 12 spies. The 12 spies that went into the land. We haven't heard any of them, but Caleb and Joshua. Because they believed God. And they stood on his promises. They left a legacy to us. And God's going, this is your time now. It's your time now. We only remember those who stepped into the promises of God. You say, Mark, I, I don't know. I, that, that wasn't like the sermon I was coming to hear today or the one that I tuned in online to hear today. I, I don't know. I feel a little shaken up right now. That's okay. I bet you when the water started getting up higher and higher and higher, you know, God was already working. God already knew what he was doing. They were obeying God and they still had raging. I mean, how do you keep from getting swept away? They're probably almost knocked off their feet. And they're getting ready to go out into the middle of it. But they looked and they saw the presence of God, the ark. So I want you to do this right now. No matter how you feel, no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter what you think about the future, I want you just to close your eyes right now. And I want you to stop looking around desperately at all that's going on. Maybe you lost your job recently. I'm so sorry. Maybe you're just feeling like, I don't know, I, I'm, there's, I'm just shaken up right now. I, I don't know what's happening right now, guy. I want you to stop looking at all that. Keep, stop looking at, at, at all the talking heads. Focus in on God right now. Do you see him? He's saying, little son of mine, little daughter of mine, you've stepped into faith. You asked me to be the Lord of your life. I've given you everything that you need for this moment. You say, but Mark, what if it is? What if this is the beginning of the great tribulation? I mean, what if it's like right on the cusp of it? What if we're going to start seeing like this revelation stuff happen? He's given you everything you need to live in it. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? So maybe right now, that next step of faith, you just have to say, I release everything to you because it's already yours anyway. And I step into trust. I trust you, Father. I trust you. Some of you having a hard time doing that. That's okay. 
Be honest about it. Don't just make it up and act like it, okay? Maybe you need to go home this afternoon and spend some time. And just, I trust you. I trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk into this. You say, I, I, I'm, I feel really queasy about this, Mark. Yeah, I imagine they did too. I'm scared out of my mind about this, Mark. That's, that's okay too. Faith isn't about, it, faith really isn't an emotion. It's an action. I step into, I choose to believe that you know what you're doing. I choose to believe that you care. I choose to believe God that you're still on your throne. Oh, did you mix up America with the kingdom of God? Yeah, I thought America was the kingdom. Well, no. Civilizations come and civilizations go. But God reigns forever. Father, we love you. We love our country. It burdens us to see what's going on out there right now. It hurts our heart. We don't know where this is going. We don't know where this is going to end up. But we stop right now from all this frantic, scurry, worry, fending for ourselves. And we say right now to you, in this moment, we're here. We trust you. We step into you. We don't know where that goes, except that it's going to have tribulation because you promised it. If this is the great one, we're going to need you every moment of every day as we walk through this. If it's just another birth pang, on the way to that, we still, we, we, we got to have you. But thank you that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. As we take our doubts and our fears and our faith and we just roll it all up together and we take a step into you and say, we're yours again. We trust your heart. We will take your courage and we will overcome the world. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us everything we need for this moment, for these next moments, for these next months and years. In Jesus' name, amen.